Rabom went to Shechem, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt, where he fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt, so they were sent there. For, so they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rabom and said to him, "Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh, harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you." Rabom answered. Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rabom consulted the elders, who he had served, who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rabom rejected the advice of the elder rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted with the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, "What is your advice? How should we answer the people who say to me, "Lighten the yoke your father put on us?" The young men who had grown up with him replied, "Tell these people who have said to you, "Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter." Tell them, "My little finger is thicker than my father's waist." My father laid a heavy yoke, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, and I will scourge you with scorpions. Then our second reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him that the Holy Spirit, he would not, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you dismiss your servants in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which have prepared, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. The child and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Good morning, Hillcrest. My name's Ashley Taylor. I don't even need to tell you that. As I see, I'm still wearing my guest services lanyard. I've already had lots of fun this morning uh, doing all sorts of stuff. We're continuing on in our uh, look at the story this morning. We're continuing to look at the Word of God as we've just heard it uh, read uh, in a new and compelling way in the story. Uh, If you don't have a copy of the book yet, I've got one here. Uh, There's still some available at uh, the info desk. Uh, Please feel free to go out there and grab one if you don't have one and continue to follow along with us. Listen to the first line of the story. This book tells the grandest, most compelling story of all time. The story of a true God who loves his children, who established for them a way of salvation and provided a route to eternity. Now there's some key words for our portion of the, uh, of the story this morning. 
God loves his children, established a way of salvation, and provides a route to eternity. Now, before we get into uh, to that this morning, I want to share a story this morning of someone who decided we cannot follow that route, and I cannot follow that route. Thank you. Now, I've been doing some, uh, I've been doing some investigative work at the church here. I have, unfortunately, uncovered a scandal of high proportions, and it does involve a member of the church staff. If you have your bulletin here this morning, turn it to the back and uh, have a look there. I believe the name is the fifth one on there. I think it is anyway. That name is Laura Fair. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Laura Fair just happens to be my daughter. And there she is right there. She thinks she's going to get away with sort of slinking away, but I wish I had a spotlight to put it right on her. Now, helping me this morning, there she is, Tanya Johnson, who read our, uh, read our scripture this morning, uh, she's going to help me put up a few props, because I want to share a little bit of a story about how my daughter decided to uh, disobey. Uh, so Tanya's going to do, uh, she's going to do a few things for us this morning and get a few things ready. Now, what I wanted to do is show you a little bit, let me get rid of my reading glasses here. I want to show you a little bit of what my house looked like 15, 15 to 18 years ago when, when my daughter was a little younger. We had an interesting house. I was pastoring at a church in rural Ontario, and we were in a manse. The church owned it. And, this, and this, uh, this house that we had was interesting that it was long. It was kind of long and thin. And so in the evening sometimes, we would uh, you know, get together in the basement, and we were at the far end of the basement, and we would sit there, and we would watch our big TV. It wasn't flat screen back in those days. Uh, but that was the family room. And we had our TV, and that's where we, you know, just relaxed and had a little bit of, uh, had a little bit of TV fun. And so when our daughter decided to, um, you know, say goodnight to us, she'd come and give us a hug and a kiss. And especially, hear this, in the month of November, that's key here, She'd say goodbye to us, and she'd walk all the way to the end of the basement, where the stairs were. That's where we watched the TV, and here are the stairs. And she would go up the stairs upstairs, and she would go upstairs to what was our kitchen. And our kitchen was there, and you can see how far away those two things are. We couldn't hear anything. Unbeknownst to us, for a long time in November, right after Halloween, she would help herself to some of the Halloween candy from the kitchen, and she'd walk over upstairs to her bedroom, where she would just lay on her bed, and we were downstairs none the wiser, and she would enjoy her Halloween candy. I don't know how much she ate, but... She enjoyed a lot of that Halloween candy for a long time. Did we have any idea whatsoever that she was doing that? Uh-uh. Never knew. We never knew that she was doing it. And there's a reason I share this story. Our daughter decided to, shall we say, confess to that recently. Why would she do that? 
she's 23 now, or, well, she was, sorry, she's 24. She was 23 when she confessed to that. She's married, she's living in her own home. So why would she confess? Because she knew there would be no repercussions for <laughs> confessing that. Would we have done something to her back then? You, yeah, we would have. Were we able to do anything now? Of course not. You feel helpless. You can't do anything about it. So if there's any other kids there around 20, something like that, you have something you want to confess, confess and you're you know, not living at home anymore, now's a great time to confess it. Go ahead and do it. Today, we can't do anything about it. Now, I share that story because of the helplessness of not being able to do anything. Not having any consequences. Our story this morning that you heard, uh, that Tanya uh, shared with us this morning, had repercussions. And we want to have a look at that this morning because those repercussions have impacts upon us. This story is from several thousand years old. We're looking into chapter 14, a kingdom torn in two. I want to take a little bit of an overview of that because it'll help us understand what these repercussions that, that the Israelites faced and how they affect us today. So I'm going to run through a really brief overview to catch us up on our part of the story this morning. Now, King Solomon... Uh, Pastor Steve spoke about him last week. Uh, wonderful sermon. If you haven't uh, heard it, please check it out on the, uh, on the church website. I'm sure it's up there. He has now passed away. He's passed away. His son Rehoboam prepares to become the next king. He is preparing to be the next king. Jeroboam comes along. And Jeroboam, he was, uh, he was an official in Solomon's court. And he comes along with a large cohort of the Israelites, and he was told by the prophet Isaiah that he would become the future king. He tried to accelerate these plans, and he fleed from Israel. So as I said, as Rehoboam is ready to be installed as king, Jeroboam leads a group of Israelites to petition the waiting king. The waiting king, Rehoboam. And this is where things just fall off the rails. This is where things went bad. You see, Solomon had taxed the people pretty heavily. He had a lot of, uh, shall we say, building ambitions, and he taxed the people heavily for those. It was a sore spot for the people. Jeroboam says to Rehoboam at this point, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. And so Rehoboam, he needs a few days to ponder what's going on, and he sends them away. And he consults some people. He consults some, some of the, uh, the elders of the court of Solomon. These people are wise. He, they would give good advice. He consults them, and they essentially agree with Jeroboam, essentially agree with the, the request of the people. Be a servant to your people. Give them a favorable answer. They will always serve you. That's the wisdom that they gave. That's the instruction that they gave. And Rehoboam, he says, uh-uh, not doing that. Instead of listening to the, uh, the wise advice, he goes to those around him that are already there, uh, that he has known for a long time, and he gets poor advice, terrible advice. They tell Rehoboam to put an even heavier yoke on him. Now, 
Tanya in her scripture reading this morning, and I already have used that word yoke a number of times. It's probably one of my least favorite biblical words because it's such a strange word. Yoke simply means burden. They have a heavy burden upon them. They have a heavy burden upon them. And, and uh, then it comes out one of the great quotes of the Bible, the story. They wanted this burden to go away, to at least be lessened. And Rehoboam says this. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Now, this is a graphic statement, and we're not going to get into the details of it, but suffice it to say, uh, getting hit by a whip, not fun. When you take a whip and you embed glass or other things into it so that when you whip somebody, it rips skin off, it's obviously even worse. Terrible, unbearable. In other words, you thought it was bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's what was going on. Israel hears this, and it sees, uh, they see that the king has answered them unwisely. And it's time to go. It's time to go. The kingdom of Israel divides at this point. The consequence for the sin of not treating your people well. So I want you to hear how the, uh, how the story tells us that this morning. Rehoboam retreated to rule Judah, the southern smaller region. While Jeroboam became king over Israel, the larger northern region. God has forewarned that the kingdom would become divided because Solomon failed to keep pagan worship outside the realm. Already divided in worship practices, the nation now also became divided in politics, in priesthood, in security, and in safety. For two generations, Israel's army had been the pride of a region, her storerooms filled with precious metals, her people fed, her cities busy, and her temple active. Now, what would happen to Israel and Judah? Split by disputes their leader could not resolve. So the question for us this morning, what does it mean for us? What does the kingdom of Israel dividing thousands of years ago say to us today? It does say a lot. It does say a lot to us as a church, and it says a lot to us as individuals. The reasons behind this division, what happened during it, and what is to come show us some valuable lessons we can apply not only here, not only here in our church, not only our leadership, not only our, ourselves as groups, but ourselves as families, ourselves as individuals, and our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, let's see a bit of the theme that we see here. I've kind of broken this up into four steps, four stages that uh, you can perhaps see this happening. It might be happening in your own life. You might have seen it happen in the past. You might start to recognize that it's happening now. But here's a bit of the stages. My goal today is to help you by the aid of the Holy Spirit for you to prevent this from happening in our church and in our lives. Number one, things are good. Last week, if you were here, uh, you heard uh, Pastor Steve talk about King Solomon. Uh, I believe the title for uh, last week's was The King Who Had It All. It's like the start of a movie. Most movies start and there's wonderful music and there's great things going on. Things are good. Things are great. Things are happening. When you obey God, he will bless you. Now, this may not mean fancy cars, amazing vacations, big houses, 
safety and security all the time. It may not mean those things. But it does mean that God will bless you. In Solomon's case, it meant for him he asked for wisdom. He thus sought after God's heart. And God blessed him in other ways as well. Blessed him in many ways. Wealth and honor. All he said was, just walk in obedience to me and things will be good. Things start out good. Part two, we decide to disobey. Solomon disobeyed God. Rehoboam, as we heard earlier from our, our scripture passage that was read, also disobeyed God. He won't listen to wise advice. I gave my daughter advice. I said, hey, come on up to the stage and we'll just talk about that little story about you and the Halloween candy. And she said, no, I'm not coming up on the stage. So what is, what is the consequences of that? I go to all this trouble to make that, that story come alive. You should talk to her about it later. She would love to uh, chit-chat about that for, for a good length of time. She disobeyed. She decided to disobey. Part two. So part three, there's consequences. There are repercussions. What have we learned? Jeroboam disobeyed, and the, re the repercussion was the division of the kingdom of Israel. The divided kingdom and disobedience has consequences. Now, if you look through uh, chapter 14 of the story, I was actually quite intrigued because it's an interesting way of reading the Bible. And as I was reading through, I was like, wow, there's just lots of stuff going on here. I'm just going to read three verses. Three verses that talk about what's going on here. 1 Kings 14.30. There was continual warfare between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. 1 Kings 15.6. There was war between Abijah and Jeroboam throughout Abijah's lifetime. 1 Kings 15.16. There was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, throughout their reigns. The Israelites were fighting one another. They were not living in harmony. There was sin going on. If you've read the chapter of the story, you'll see continual sin and continual consequences. For us today, we have to understand there are consequences to sin. There are consequences. But there is good news. Now, unfortunately, I don't get that part of the story to preach that, so I'm just going to sort of hint at it. But it is the story for another Sunday morning. Suffice it to say that God does love us and wants us to be in right relationship with us. He wants us to live in peace with him and with each other. Romans 12, 18 tells us that peace with one another is the way to go. It's the right way. Luke eleven seventeen reminds us that a house divided against itself won't stand. God does not desire division. He does not want to see division in the church. He does not want to see division in our families. He does not want to see division between you and him. Now, I know this because I went through each of these steps. Things were good in my life. I decided to this way. There were consequences to that. Thankfully, God wanted me back. Now, I was saved back in 1987. Back in 1987, I went off to universities, and that was a great time. That was a great time for me. I went off to university. 
I was learning about God. I was finding out more about Jesus Christ. I was growing in the faith. I started serving in the church. I started doing all sorts of things. And for, I don't even know how long, a few years, everything was going wonderfully and God was working in me. At some point along the way when things were good, I decided in an idiotic, moronic, a stupid, and I can't believe I did this moment to say, you know what? I've arrived. I don't need to really be, you know, looking at the Word of God as much anymore and learning more. I think I've made it. I think I've made it to that point in my faith where, you know, I'm done and I can sort of rest and relax. I did that, and for the next, I don't even know how long, I'm honestly trying to forget the details of that time in my life because it was a dark time in my life, a dark time in my faith. I knew God wasn't working in me, or at least I knew later on. I wasn't joining in with him. I'm sure my relationships with people in the church were not doing well. But thankfully, later on, God wanted me back and I came back to him. And things were better. Things were better. Today I ask you, what is your place? Are you dealing with repercussions in your life because of sin, because of division between you and God, between your family and your church, whatever it might be? Are you dealing with those repercussions? It might even be this morning that you're realizing that, yeah, you know, I may have some of that. I may have some of those things going on in my life. I may not realize the sin that is inside of me. Unlike Solomon or Rehoboam, we want to avoid the repercussion of sin. Now, during this period of division, during this period of division, there were 38 total kings. Do you know how many of them served the Lord? Five. Five out of 38. Today, let us be like those five. And let's follow God. I want to encourage us this morning to stay on track with God. There are repercussions for our sin. There are repercussions, there's consequences to it, but there are ways, biblical ways, that help us and help us understand how we can avoid falling into this trap, this trap of division. Now, the list I'm about to give you is not exhaustive, not in, this, not in any kind of sense. I'm just throwing out some things. I'm kind of taking darts and throwing them at the board and hoping that you hear and, uh, something that will help you to understand a little bit about how your relationship with God can be stronger. Number one, word and prayer. As an individual, it's important we have the basics in our faith journey. Getting into the word of God is so important to us, so important for us. This is God talking to us, and it's, it isn't a cliche, it's true. After 33 years of being a Christian, I still read the word of God and, and get excited and get challenged by things that I read. Things are going on in my life, and I start to realize that the scripture that I'm reading is talking to me specifically. I may have read the passage of Scripture a dozen times previous, and it still will have something new to say to me. Pastor Steve, in his Pastor's Heart uh, email, if you receive that, he recently talked about a, a new uh, phone app, or I guess you can use it elsewhere too, that helps us in this, through the Word. 
I happen to use another uh, Bible app. I would have pulled it out and shown you, but I left my phone at home this morning. Uh, I use a Bible app for my Bible reading. And when I, when I read that, I thought, well, let's have a look at it. And I downloaded it. I'm not using it yet, but I'm just having a look to see if it can help me in understanding more about how I can systematically get into the Word of God and learn more. That's what God wants from us. Now, word and prayer. Word is one, prayer is another. That's the second part. Now, my wife and I lead a, uh, a life group here at Hillcrest, and uh, spoiler alert for my life group, we're doing something new tonight. Where's, uh, where's my life group? There's, I, think, I, I saw a few, there's a couple, there's a few of you around. Tonight at 6.30, we're going to do something a little different, and you'll find about it, out about it then. We'll tell you about it then. We're going to do something new that has been suggested to us by our life group's pastor, Dave Moore, uh, about our time of prayer that we have. We're going to change things up a little bit and challenge ourselves a little bit. Be ready tonight, folks. Number two, service and adir. Now, my original title here was service and service, but that didn't have a good ring to it in, in my list, so I decided I'd change and do the whole pastoral thing and make things rhyme. So service and adir. Uh, so service and service is kind of like a noun and a verb. It's so important to corporately meet to worship with God, with the body of Christ. So important. Singing praises, hearing the word of God preached, and applying it, interacting with other Christians. These things are key for us in our faith and help us and guide us. Now, two Sundays ago, my family was uh, traveling home. Uh, we had some flights from Toronto to Regina, and we had to endure an almost four-hour layover in Winnipeg. <laughs> Who wants to spend four hours in Winnipeg? Especially at the airport. I didn't really, but uh, that was the cheap flight that we found, and so it was a Sunday. And we got off the plane in Winnipeg waiting for our next flight. Um, our flight had been delayed in Toronto, so we had been on the plane even longer than we expected. And we got off the plane, and we were at one end of the terminal, and so we just wanted to stretch our legs, and we started to walk. We were looking for a place to, you know, grab some lunch, uh, but as we walked through the terminal, I came to the end, and I couldn't believe what I saw in my eyes, in front of my eyes. Chapel. You don't see very many of those in uh, airports anymore. It was wonderful. We, we all walked in. Uh, we spent some time there. It was a quiet little space. Uh, they'd arranged it a little bit, so with some chairs, some, uh, some Bibles there, some suggested readings and other things that you could do. Um, I couldn't be with my church family here, but I met with God that morning. 10 to 15 minutes of reading the Word and prayer, it was a blessing. It was a blessing to do that. Just amazing to get in there. Guard your time to be with God's people, to corporately worship God. Don't let it slip. Now, the second half of this part here is, is the dare, because you may not have ever decided to serve God in the church or wherever this morning, and maybe it's time for you to think about what you can do. One of the things that, uh, that I do, and it just happened to be uh, my Sunday this morning, is uh, I'm on the guest services team, and I'm on one of the guest services team, and my wife knows that every Sunday that it is our turn to do guest services, I, I just beg her, please let me go over to that door over there because I want to give high fives to the kids and some adults. Some of the adults love it too. And this morning I got a bunch of uh, high fives. Some of the kids know that uh, that's coming and they've decided that they're going to try to use all their oomph. And so I got a few fists this morning into my hand. 
so my hands hurt a little bit, but it's fantastic. Great opportunity to serve. My dear to you this morning is to find a way to serve God. Find a way to use the gifts that God has given you. There's so many ways we can do it. Teaching, cleaning, leading, administrating, whatever and wherever God leads you. There's plenty of opportunities inside Hillcrest and outside too. We just heard about Moose Jaw Medical Mission. A great video this morning, great talk that we'd heard this morning. I encourage you to have a chit-chat with them after the service. If you're not sure what you can do, ask someone. Pray for reflection. Seek out an opportunity. I dare you to use your gifts in some way. Word and prayer. Service and a dare. And the last one is share and care. Our last one is simply responding to needs. Now, the ultimate need people have is a saving relationship with Christ. Um, in our life group, uh, one, of the, one of the sons of one of our life group uh, uh, couples, uh, Leanne and Aaron Olson, uh, their son had an opportunity uh, this past year to share the love, the gospel of Jesus Christ with a neighbor. I'm not going to go into all the details, but they had that opportunity to share the love of God with them. It was so special because that neighbor died shortly after that. Sharing the love of Jesus Christ when you have opportunity is such an amazing thing. Alpha's coming up. Alpha's coming up here uh, we're in January next month. Alpha's going to start. And we hope that you might come and you might invite somebody to come that might need to hear the basics of the gospel. The basics of the message of the Bible. It takes many forms of sharing, many forms of caring. Um, one of the things that uh, somebody, some friends of ours got a little stunned at was uh, last, I believe it was last winter, my wife went and helped a family who um, was dealing with not only one person in hospital and not even in the province, they had two people in hospital. They had one person in hospital in California and another one in British Columbia. Uh, they were also Moose Jaw Warriors uh, billets. And my wife brought this load of food over to them. And I will never forget the look of surprise. Why would you do something like that? Because the Lord, love of Jesus Christ causes us to care. This is the love of Christ in us being shown to those around us. Word and prayer. Service and a dare. Share and care. Now, we look, today at a, we look today at a dark time, a dark time in Israel's history, a time of sin, a time of disobedience, a time when the kingdom split into two and the repercussions of that and how we can avoid that kind of division in the church and in our own lives. Now, last Sunday, I saw an absolutely wonderful example of the exact opposite of that division. Uh, you might remember Pastor Steve was uh, preaching, and at some point during his, some point during his message, there was, there was a joke and there was some laughter, and then all of a sudden we heard the infamous snort <laughs> coming from somebody. <laughs> Hate to mention that, Sharon, but it was so good. Not because of the snort. 
That was funny. We'll admit that. That was funny. But what was super nice about it was because if you'd been in some circumstances, that might have been frowned upon. I don't want to hear you laughing, and please don't make noises like that in church. <laughs> the way Steve responded to it was wonderful. Let me just read. Uh, i got to read the quote here because I wrote it down. <laughs> Worth the price of admission for that. But while this was a funny episode, I looked on it as the sign of a united church, a church that was coming together to love God and was so excited to be here to praise God that something like that can happen, no problem. Solomon, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, and those who came after them sinned. They and the nations suffered for it. And we can live differently. We can live in harmony and unity. We can draw closer to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to draw near to you. Lord, this time and, um, that we have looked at in Israel's history is not a great time. So much sin, so much disobedience. And Lord, they prayed an immense price for it. But Lord, we thank you this morning. You want us united. You want us with us. Lord, guide us in you. Guide us to honor you. Help us to understand how we can avoid division by focusing on you and finding our faith and life and joy and hope in you. Bless us in that this morning, Lord, we do pray and thank you. And we pray this, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one last song together. Um, after